tree was all the same I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else to Hello listeners and welcome back to the Campbell's Footballs podcast with your host Dr Grant Campbell and I'm joined uh, for this episode by a guy who's still playing uh, football at a fairly high level. Um, he is uh, Dunfermline striker Declan McManus. Um, Declan, a warm welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, it's good to chat with you. Um, how's things uh, been for you during these very tricky times with COVID-19? Um, okay. I was a full-time dad, <laughs> um, which I wasn't too used to, but it, it was nice, it was lovely to have so much time with, with the, the kids and the family, and it just it, it got to a point where trying to entertain the kids was, was the hardest part of the, the day, so, but it was good, it was, it was nice until, kind of, you had the three months kind of mark that you've not been able to play football and okay, I, I was getting a bit restless I was feeling like I never had much of a purpose yeah um, you were you were, obviously, you were full time dad but also full time teacher as well <laughs> yeah um, and obviously we are with football um, I was kind of going between clubs at that time as well so it was kind of that was a wee bit stressful, but I knew I knew it was going to be okay in the long run. Just nobody could predict what was what was going on. Um, it was new for everybody, so it was it was just a, a case of trying to keep ahead and would be fine. Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, it's been very difficult times for everybody. I mean, have you been training quite a lot during these lockdown times or during the COVID period we're in? Uh, well, yeah. Before um, before I officially signed with Dunfermline again, I was doing all my kind of own stuff, um, and then when I became a um, a Dunfermline player. We had a five-week program um, before we got back training, so uh, we've done all that. Now, now for the last few weeks, we've been back in training, albeit under restricted rules and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's good to be back. How has the training been with social distancing and you know these COVID restrictions that have come into play? How tough has that been to implement at Dunfermline? It's been it's been strange for us um, and I imagine how, how tough it's been on the managing staff and, and kind of coaches and that that they've had to set all these areas up because it's when we first went in there was only certain amount of players allowed on like a section each, uh, each section of the park I think it was 8 to 10 players in each section of the park right. and certain amount of like one coach and each section and it's just it was it was strange but thankfully we, we managed to deal with it pretty well we just kind of turned up you, you had to sit in your cars until the, the pitches were ready and you walk in with your mask on as soon as you enter the, the pitch is your bubble then you can take your mask off and train and as soon as that's done your mask back on straight away home no showers and that so it's yeah. weird but 
it's, it's doable. So. And, and I take it there was regular temperature checks as well at Dunfermline like there is at the Scottish Premiership Clubs? Yeah, yeah, we've, we've got like, uh, questionnaires to do every morning um, and on an app and then you send that away and then when, as soon as you come up to training you'll get your temperature done mm-hmm. uh, before you enter and if your temperature's too high you'll get sent straight away so um, you need to fill in your temperature as soon as you get there and stuff and soon, as soon as you know, find out what it is so yeah. it is uh, the, the club to be fair they're, they're following every possible rule that they can so yeah absolutely I, I feel a lot of frustration for um, the championship league one and league two because the Scottish Premiership is back up and running um, but you know the championship league one and league two hasn't got going yet and, and obviously the Betfred Cup will come into play but there must be a frustration from yourself that you guys cannot get going at the same time as the Scottish Premiership clubs have been uh, yeah I can, I can understand that from a kind of the law league's point of view that a lot of these clubs don't have the money um, to do the testing twice a week. It's like mm-hmm. we've got Kilmarnock in the cup and we'll have to be tested before we play them because they're being tested. Yes. Um, so I can imagine that the money it costs to do all that, there's not many clubs in the law leagues will be able to keep up with that. Yeah. Um, I know Hearts have and whatever else but Hearts are a much bigger club than 99% of the whole league so um, but I can understand it but for for us it's it's hard to watch and Mm -hmm. see I've I've obviously got a lot of friends that are playing in the Premier League and it's just it's hard to see them going and playing every week and and we're not even we're still a month away technically Um, but thankfully you are our friendly games are starting this week, so um, it'll be good first game in six months to to hopefully get a feel for it and get us ready for a month's time when the cup starts. It'll be really weird, I assume, and I've, we've seen a few games on on Sky and and over the BBC highlights show, over the sports scene show that. Football without fans is just soulless, isn't it? And I expect the same will happen in the lower leagues, if not multiplied. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, obviously, I've, I've not experienced it yet, but it, it looks like it, it kind of... The players look a, a little less kind of spurred on, do you know what I mean? Having the fans there is, is a major part of football. Yeah. Um, like, the noise fans create can can change a game at, at times and um, obviously being at home and stuff like that it's a big advantage but I think everybody's just got to the point that they just want to get back playing and and hopefully um, hopefully the fans can be back in relative numbers by Hopefully, uh, October time. Yeah, well, um, I, I certainly hope so uh, as, a, as a fan. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. It is it is extremely um, fluid times with this COVID virus. And uh, I hope yeah. we'll have uh, some sort of positivity on the football front very soon because I definitely think it is missing that massive ingredient of fan engagement. Declan, as I said, it's great to have you on the show. And I'm really interested to tap into your own career and what you're doing at the moment and also what you see yourself doing in the future. Um, I like to always ask my guests.
guess. What one, what made you want to go into football in the first place? What was your route in at the beginning? Um, as long as I can remember, I've always dreamt to being a footballer. Um, I think my, my earliest my earliest memory would be when I was um, in primary three. Um, no, I primary three, and my brother was in primary seven in the school the school team, and uh, they wanted me to play for the school team. Right. Um, I was obviously playing way like three years and four years above me um, and I remember that I was quite I was more than capable of playing with them if not better than quite a lot of them um, at the time yeah and then kind of that stage for me was I kind of as a wee boy realised that I was quite good at it yeah absolutely um, but just yeah my dad's my dad was, and still is, obviously a major Celtic fan that I was as well. Um, I was a season ticket holder and we always used to go to all the games and I can just remember watching the stands, like, just wanting to go out there and play and dreaming of playing at Celtic Park and watching the Champions League and playing the Champions League. and. Um, Obviously, I've not reached that height, but um, that, I'm proud of what I've done so far, and uh, who knows what you can achieve. Absolutely, and, and Celtic are such a big club, synonymous in Scottish football, but also in Europe as well. And under the lights at Parkhead on a on a Wednesday or Thursday night against a, a big team like a Man United or a Man City or a Juventus, and that there's nothing beats that, is there? No, no, I was at the. I've been at some of the biggest ones. Um, I was at Man United when Nakamura scored the free kick. Um, it's a cracking goal, wasn't it? I was at, uh, I was at AC Milan when um, Scott McDonald scored. And Indeed, I thought he was. Indeed, I thought he was shot in that game, didn't he? <laughs> uh, literally, the the AC Milan game. Um, I've never heard a noise like that when Scott McDonald scored. It yeah. was it was ridiculous it was almost that loud it was silent yeah and you just just see people moving and jumping and ended up with three only I was only young so they picked me up and ended up with, um, but it was just it was mental and for any football fan um I think any football fan watches these games and wishes they could play in them. So um, the fact that uh, kind of from an early age I realised I was I was better than the average. Yeah. Um, I knew I wanted to try my best to to achieve as much as possible in football. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a very vivid memory of, of that Milan game. I mean, I, I remember watching that. That was absolutely fantastic, as, of course, was, was Man United. Um, in terms of footballing inspirations, you mentioned your dad earlier on. What about footballing inspirations? I take it your dad will have been one of them, I assume. Yeah, well, my dad never, he never, ever played at a, kind of a level that I, 
I have played that. Um, I'm lucky enough to play it, but he, in terms of my inspiration, he, he, he knew what he was talking about with football and he loves football. Um, but in terms of just the inspiration of how much he believed in me um, and how much he used to take me all over the country just just to play football because obviously I was at Aberdeen as a young age I was assigned there when I was um, 8 or 9 I think mm-hmm. and we were all over the country you were, you were up in Aberdeen to, uh, every, every Sunday and for games and stuff like that and um, training during the week you'd be here there everywhere um, so he, he gave up a lot for me to, to follow it and to be fair I don't think he he grudged it because he, he loved doing it but um, you realise when you're older and you've got, you've got kids yourself that he must have gave up a lot to, for me to go and chase the dream that I had and um, but in terms of football and kind of inspirations, it's just that it's there again that the likes of Henry Larson and that, and I was lucky enough to see a couple of years of him um, at Celtic Park, and but the likes of Terry Henry as well, watching him as a young boy, was he was one of my favourites ever, so... Um, yeah, a lot different. Two, two, two brilliant players, especially Larson and Scottish football. In my view, Larson put Scottish football on the map um, back in the day. Yeah. I mean, along probably with Brian Lydrop and Ali McCoyst on the Rangers side. But you mentioned yeah. Henri. I mean, I think, and I, I'm a Manchester United fan, but Henri really lit up the Premier League when he arrived at Arsenal. He just transformed the game uh, in England. And some of the goals he scored, particularly against Manchester United, I may argue, um, were were some of the best. The one he, he kind of flicks it over the defender's shoulder and smashes it beyond Barthez. Yeah. That's one of the best goals I think I've ever seen in the Premier League. Yeah, he was, he literally was insane. Like, and obviously, as you say, Larson and the likes of Loudrop and stuff, the, these players playing in Scotland is when you look back now it's, it's crazy even even more recent like those of Van Dyke and even Andy Robertson is yeah. but these players so I think in terms of the, the Scotch game it's I don't understand why it gets so much stick definitely um, when you've got the likes of these players that are now in the best team in the world. Yeah, and and, um, and, and involved in the, the best league in the world, as many coin it as well. They only played in Scotland four or five years ago. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's more the fact that the national team's not done so well recently, and even even say like in Rangers letting ourselves down in Europe I know Rangers didn't last year so to, to a certain extent never until they played Copenhagen but um, it's just I think we're a lot more capable than, than everybody 
seems to believe. No, I, abso um, I absolutely echo that 100%. And I, I think it'll come national internationally. I think it will. I, I still believe Steve Clark is the right man in the job. I, I still believe that we just need to find the right mix of players and the right system. Yeah, I think that's the biggest game there's been for maybe a, a decade or so. Yeah. Um, that it's the biggest chance for a major tournament. Yeah. Um, so I think hopefully by that time that everybody else is back. Yeah. He's got the best, the best squad he can, he can possibly introduce from. Uh, um, but in terms of, in terms of the, the Nations League as well, I think, as you've already seen through the two games, Scotland never played well and probably both of them, but they're sitting top of that group, so they should be, they should be um, trying, they should be expecting to, to top that group. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Because nine, I'm not sure the, the stats on it or whatever, but I would say maybe 80-90% of the players are, are playing in the Premier League down south or yeah. the south of the Rangers. So Definitely. It's, it's not a lack of quality. No. Because they're going to get these clubs mm. if, if it was a lack of quality. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> To catch up with more Campbell's Football's podcasts, please listen to more on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let's bring it back to yourself, Declan, because I'm really interested to hear about your own journey. You said to, earlier on that you, you started out at Aberdeen. Um, what was that like for you starting off at a, a, a pretty big club in, in the Dons? It was, it, was, it was huge for me because I remember when I was really young, uh, I kind of got the choice of... Um, it was kind of Celtic or like there was a couple of teams down in the central belt um, and I chose Aberdeen um, just I loved playing but my whole kind of age group was all my, my mates and um, I remember choosing it because I sat down with my dad one night <laughs> at nine years old and he said to me what do you want to do? And I said, well, uh, I remember saying that I've got more chance of playing for Aberdeen's first team than, than Celtic's. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, I want to play first team football eventually. I want to be a footballer. Yeah. Um, and we chose Aberdeen and thankfully I, I ended up, I, I went all the way every age group all the way to the first team so um, but it was amazing for me I, I stayed up in Aberdeen full time for five, six years and it kind of became home um, until I left so uh, it was a huge part of my, my I get the impression exactly like that, that it, the club meant an awful lot to you and, and a lot of the players that played in that Aberdeen side alongside yourself probably got that impression as well, that 
that they uh, enjoyed your company. Yeah, well, as I say, I kind of most of the players that we kind of grew up together. Um, a lot of my actual age group went kind of the full way and played. Um, a lot of my youth team, like say, Jacko was in it for a short spell. I know he he went and started playing uh, first team quite quickly for when I went in full time. Um, but right to Clark Robertson, um, Joe Shaughnessy was in the youth team, Mickey Lowe, Cammy Smith. There was so many boys that that went the full way and, and have made good careers yeah. since. Um, so. It was it was a kind of family feel like we'd all grew up as I said all grew up together and so many has went in a full way so um, it was it was definitely kind of it was better than your average like when you're since I've obviously left there I've been in different dressing rooms and stuff and in that dressing room we, we were all. We, we knew so much about each other and everything. <laughs> We'd grown up together, so. Yeah, no, absolutely. You, you mentioned quite a lot of distinguished names there, including Clark Robertson and Ryan Jack. Let's talk about Ryan Jack specifically, because obviously he's now gone on to, to play for Rangers. Did you expect him to make it to such a high level? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Jack was. Jack was. At times, I think, very. Unrecognised and un- underrated. Um, he's he's just a superb player. Like you very rarely see him lose the ball. I really enjoyed him when he played for Aberdeen. I thought he was a very unsung hero in a lot of Aberdeen performances, especially in that yeah. sort of defensive midfield position. He always broke up a lot of play, but did a lot of good stuff as well going forward. Yeah, I think I think at Aberdeen being being a kind of from the youth team and and then when he was more established he started to get a wee bit underappreciated um, at times Just that's just what I felt but um, as I said he obviously played a number of positions um, at Aberdeen he played right back and, and he'd done all, all the positions well but as you've seen when he goes he's been at Rangers he's played his natural position and he's he's Flourished. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. He's now playing in the, the national team, and um, nah, honestly, Jacko, Jacko's a brilliant player. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're stepping your way up through the the ranks at Aberdeen, whether that be under twenties level or even younger, yeah. Is there a bit of expectation to, to keep getting better, to get recognised by the manager, to say, "Let me pick you for a senior match in the future"? Oh, definitely, yeah. You play a you play a lot of youth youth team games and um, and you it's, it's obviously it's not the level you want to be playing at but you know that the manager is going to be around there and if it's at the training ground he'll probably be watching and um, really really you just want to do as well as possible mm-hmm. um, for me it was scoring goals and making sure that. Every week, it was Declan McManus was on the score sheet, or, or a, 
had played well enough to that you knew you were going to get a mention, or um, and then obviously when you when you kind of week in week out training, you'll get the shout to go up. So if you if you're starting to get the shout to go up and train with the first team more often, you know you're you're mm-hmm. kind of falling into these thoughts. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and when you're training with the first team, I mean, out of the first team group of players, you know, who would give you good advice and you know opportunities to kind of engage most? Yeah, a lot of them. But um, obviously, when I was there early on, it was um, it was all sorts of strikers and there was all sorts of players and when I first kind of broke into the, the squad we weren't and it's, it's not that long ago but people might not even remember how well it was round about uh, the time of, um, of the end of Mark McGee and, and the Craig Brown era wasn't it? yeah yeah, it was and, and obviously Aberdeen then weren't doing as well, anywhere near as well as they should have been mm-hmm. um, and obviously but this is before Derek but, um, but it was we were underachieving um, for the first couple of years that I was kind of in around the first team yeah. um, until, until Derek came and then he really changed that, changed that around so mm-hmm. yeah. but it was, it was there was a lot of different strikers and they were all they were all good for the youth team to be sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to ask you about working with Craig Brown in particular. I mean, a, a legend of the Scottish game. What was it like getting advice and information from a legend of Scottish football? Yeah, well, him and, him and Archie were, were, were brilliant. Can I good cop, bad cop? Um, Archie's mental, but he was brilliant. Um, he so much knowledge and when he spoke you listened um, but it was just it was, it was really good it was kind of you knew these guys the, the level they'd coached at and you knew as I said when, when they spoke you listened um, but I can remember one night you were, you, were, you were asking me about playing for the youth team remember one night at Petodre we played Murrow um, and I knew the gaffer and that was going to be there and I knew kind of you kind of get the gist of if they're looking for for players to to push their way up it for, uh, into the first team and um, I'd played that night I'd, I'd, I scored a hat-trick at Broadway and he was there and I'd one of my goals I'd got the ball for me in my own box yeah. and run the whole line for the park and, and scored and I remember coming in after the game, obviously you're into the light heat and stuff, and the gaffer, Craig Brown, came in, and he, he put me outside, and he's, he's like, how good was that goal? And I said, ah, thanks, gaffer, like, it's deleted. I said, don't score one like that very often, but he was like, I'm going to offer you a first-team contract, um, a two-year first-team contract. Um, make sure that you go in and you get the same money as all the other young boys that are in that dressing room yeah. and I want you to be in the first team dressing room yeah. um, and it was just it was mentally me like 
when you which, when you get when you get a confidence boosting message from Craig like that, that must give you a big shot in the arm. Yeah, it was it was massive, and it it was always good to be me to be fair because yeah, I think I'm sure it was the season that Tony Watt um, had scored against Barcelona. Against Barcelona. Yeah. Um, but in the youth team, in the youth leagues, I'd outscored them. <laughs> um, so so Craig Brown just never let that go. He was like, "But you outscored them in the youth league. You must be better." Or, yeah, stuff like that and obviously that was, was brilliant confidence booster for me yeah. but it's completely different that Tony was playing against Barcelona and I was playing against youth team players so <laughs> um, it's still a nice accolade to have though you have to, you have to give yourself uh, a bit of credit there my friend uh, very much yeah. Derry McInnes has come into the club um, since, since Craig left I mean are you surprised that he's still there and B how successful he's been at the club no um because even I, I was with them for I think it was two seasons um, but in terms of it just the manner the whole club changed when, when Derek came um, and that was not because Craig wasn't doing stuff right or anything like that it was just where the club was at at that time when Derek came in they really backed him. They believed in him, and and I think Craig and Archie's got the club stable, yes. and then gave Derek the, the chance to go and push it. Um, but in terms of being, you asked me if I'm surprised how how well I've done. No, um, he's, he's he's always brought in quality players. Even when I was there, um, Brights and Niall came in under Craig and done so well. Um, but that season, it was all on Niall's shoulders. Yeah. Um, and then I think Derek re- recognised that and he got to like, say Adam and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he, he built, he's built a very good team. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Adam Rooney coming to the club. Did that leave a little bit of a frustration with you that you maybe didn't get the amount of game time you, you deserved to get at Aberdeen? Uh, no, no. Obviously, if there's a striker there that's that's scoring, because Adam was out, scoring for fun, know. wasn't he? Especially the first couple uh, of seasons. Um, and I think he got he got double. Um, 20 goals in his first couple of seasons um, it wasn't it was frustrating obviously but I was never I was never in the mindset of I should be playing ahead of um, I knew it was it was going to be a case of I was I was starting here and had to work my way up but yeah. um, not really it's, at that point in my my career, I was I was just delighted to be on the bench most weeks and, and coming on, mm-hmm. um, and I felt like if I'd properly been given a chance, maybe a few starts or uh, whatever else, that I could have got goals and mm-hmm. yeah. um, that might have been it might have been different. But as I say, I was ne- I was never ungrateful about mm-hmm. it. Um, I don't like to, I don't like to make comparisons, but Bruce Anderson has been at the club. He's been in and out of the team. 
Do you feel that he might be going a similar way to what happened with yourself? Uh, I don't know. Or am, I be, am I being harsh there? No, not really. I think most people be think that um, it's the same as Shanks. You see Shanks now. Um, Shanks probably get a wee bit more of a chance than I did at Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he earned it. Um, but it's took Shanks dropping down again to, for Shanks to realise right, I'm more than capable I can go yeah. so um, the I say Bruce Bruce is a good player um, he's, he's got everything apart from maybe he's a wee bit smaller but that yeah. doesn't I really, rate, doesn't him as, I really rate him as a striker that doesn't that doesn't matter these days he's, he's very good inside the box um, and he, he can also run channels and He's, he's, he's quick enough so I don't I can understand why, why you're asking that question about will it be me or um, but I think he, every game he's, he's kind of played in it's been high profile games yeah. he's, he's played in that game against Rangers and, and gets marked at the game mm-hmm. because really people that, that know football and know a striker's role he, he was never going to be able to yeah. stand out that game. No, I agree. Because Aberdeen never had enough possession. They never created anything for him. When you're playing, when you're a small striker and you're playing against two big guys, the likes of balls in the channel and stuff, they need to be like not perfect, but ones that you can chase. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of balls in the box, you have to be early. They can't let Rangers get into shape and because it's two big guys that are just going to eat it up so I think it's been harsh on Bruce um, in terms of the games he's actually played in I know he's played in quite a few now but he's scored a few goals but in terms of the, the, the games that people actually know about and speak about uh, the, the Rangers games and I know he's scored in one of them but the games are they're kind of tougher for yeah. a, a young striker yeah. to go in and be the, the main man. No, absolutely, I agree with that uh, point, especially. Let's talk about. A series of sort of moves that you kind of had, there was a, there was a few loan moves you had, um, a couple at Morton. I mean, what was Morton like as a club? Um, and also just being on a on a loan move, I mean, what was what's that like to play for a loan club? Uh, it, was, it was refreshing, to be honest. Um, obviously, I was at Aberdeen, and, and uh, I had... Is it, I'm sure that's the season that I'd uh, yeah, I'd been in the, the first team squad um, and made a few games in Europe um, early on and I'd, I'd actually came on in, in the Europa League qualifiers and obviously I was, I was in and around it um, but as soon as I kind of spoke to Derek I'd say to him look I'd, I'd quite like to go out and loan um, I think it was not 
yeah, it was a, a I'd say to him I'd quite like to get in a mom, uh, mom because I've heard Morton are interested. And I knew Jim Duffy, um, obviously well respected coach and stuff. So I was I wanted to go and play. I was I, I've always been somewhere rather play thirty games than ten or five or yeah. whatever it may be. Um, and I knew I, I had to go out and I had to, to score goals at a professional level. Yeah, you did, um, you did pretty well at Morton. You scored quite a few goals in the in your two spells you had at Morton. Yeah, especially the, the first one when we were in League One. Um, I started off flying, I think, uh, well over double figures by, by Christmas. And then I'd, I'd only signed six months, so I'd went back to Aberdeen in the, the January. Um, and I was I was on the bench straight away. Um, and I'd, I, I remember, I think... We were playing St Johnston away. I think it was the it was the night Adam scored the the long range. Oh yeah, the, the twenty five yarder that he always goes on yeah. about on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, was, Adam, if you're I listening. Was, uh, <laughs> it's a I was on the I was on the bench that night, and um, I think it was uh, it was one each. So I was kind of expecting. I think Shanks went went on as a sub, um, and I was kind of. Half expecting that I'd be getting shout because before the game and stuff, and at half time, the, the gaffer really wanted to win the game. So I was thinking, right, I might get thrown on here. And Shanks went on, um, and then Byron Robson kind of went on, but he was, he was playing a more attacking role. He was kind of as a striker, uh, kind of. And, and, I remember thinking, obviously, Barry Robson's unbelievable player and yeah. had an unbelievable career. But it just clicked in my head that I had to, I had to go back out and I had to prove myself more. Yeah. Um, uh, because I obviously wasn't ready yet. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready yet. But um, I, I did. I went back out to to Martin and won player of the year and scored more goals and we won the league so it was it was a great decision in the end because um, I got a lot from it so Was there a part of you that wanted to move to Morton on a full time basis? Uh, yeah there was because I, I loved it um, I loved the club loved me the fans loved me the, the manager uh, got on brilliantly um, Jim Duffy and it was just it was just a really all good all round um, year mm-hmm. good season and I, I loved it every minute of it but um, once I went well the, the season done was done I went back up to Aberdeen and they offered me another contract um, and I don't know if you know much about the rules but the contract they offered me it wasn't what I was expecting for how well I'd done and um, but it was in the, the period of basically you can't stay in Scotland if it's within 17 days or something of the right. end of your contract yeah. so Scotland was out, out of the, the reckoning so I, I either had to go 
cross border or, or stay at Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. And um, I just uh, I kind of got from the, the offer. It wasn't me f- feeling disrespectful or, or anything like that. It was just I didn't want to be part of the furniture. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. I wanted to go out and hopefully do more than what I'd done that season yeah. for Morton and, and then that's when the, the, the Fleetwood offer came in and, Fleet, um, and Fleetwood's an interesting club um, obviously more now because obviously Joey Barton is, is now manager but obviously when you arrived you know they were they were a relatively new club getting into the football league I mean what was that like as an experience for you? Uh, it, was, it was obviously it was, it was my first taste of a move and um, it was a, it was a choice I made because, as I said, I, I didn't want to be part of the furniture. Um, I wanted to go out and improve myself. Um, and I, I went down and I seen the new training ground getting built. It wasn't quite finished when I first went down, but it was it looked unbelievable and just their, their aspirations and the way they they spoke to me was was kind of. I was a, a first team player and I was getting there to play um, and obviously that excited me and the fact of getting down to England and you might play these big cup ties and stuff against big clubs and so it, it, it all appealed, appealed to me and um, I, I, chose to, I chose to go down. Yeah, I mean, I mean obviously Fleetwood now under under Joey. I mean, were you surprised a club like Fleetwood went for such a high profile, maybe slightly controversial character in, in Joey Barton? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. Um, it's an interesting the, one, isn't it? The chairman, the chairman at Fleetwood, he, he likes the, I would say, he likes the kind of aspect of being underdogs and and people not really respecting them. Um, He likes to show everybody, I think, that he should be respected and that he's done that. Um, And I think Joey's done that as well. Um, I've still got mates that are playing in the team right now, so um, I think... Would you you fancy playing under him? I wouldn't mind it, yeah. Um, I don't think... From what I've heard, he's not the same as what, what everybody thinks he is. Um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind somebody. Uh, me personally, I don't mind somebody that tells me if I'm terrible or I'm, I'm, I'm amazing or or tries to hide it. No, I, I don't mind what you say to me. I can no. take it. So I would, that doesn't frighten me. And that, aspect of um, being maybe over too harsh or, or over strict or, or whatever it may be it doesn't but yeah. in terms of a career he, he played at a high level mm-hmm. um, for his whole career so he could only learn No, absolutely. You make the move back up to Scotland, um, and you had a couple of spells on loan back at Morton again and at Wraith, and then you joined Dunfermline, and obviously you're back at Dunfermline again now. So, what was Dunfermline like first time around? Uh, It was brilliant. It was, but obviously I just had the the spell at Wraith on loan, and for one reason or another, it was just a horrific year. We, We just. We 
a good team that just massively underachieved and, and I, still to this day we can't I speak to boys that are in that team we can't put our finger on what went wrong um, but it was just a, it was a bad year for me the, the fans didn't take to me I ended up I think I, I think I was why did you think why did you think the fans didn't take to you was it just the way that you approached games or what, what was it uh, no, I, don't, I, I don't think I had a lot in my best performances but um, I think I was I was one of the kind of mainstays the whole season that, that played most of the games and obviously being on loan and stuff I just don't think I'm not going. I'm not going to say it sure. wasn't every day we map of performances because I wasn't good enough and over the the season and Neil was the team. That's why we got relegated. Yeah. Um, but it just it just you just get places and times in football. It, it just doesn't fit and nope. it just didn't absolutely. fit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, right. Yeah. So well, going to I was kind of down in the dumps a wee bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I'd played a lot against Dunfermline and over the years and at Morton and stuff. And straight away, they, they kind of see me as a good signing. And um, straight away, when I went in, I started pre season. When I ran out of cup games, I, I started off really well. Um, I'd, I'd actually tore a part of my knee. Mm-hmm. And, in pre-season training and I think Nicky Clark and whoever else was, was injured and we, we never had any other strikers yeah. and so I, for the first couple of games of the, the cup I was actually playing through pure pain mm-hmm. um, and I'd, I'd scored against I think it was Peter Head and then we went to, to Hearts away um, and we played really well um, but I'd scored to put us two one up at Tynecastle, and just ever since that moment, it just the fans just took to me, and it was just I just loved playing football yeah. again, and um, and that whole season I, I done really well. Um, I won a player of the years here at the club, and and we got into the playoffs and. Um, I'd, I'd kind of had a great spell up until January with, with goals and then they just dried up yeah. until the, until a, the playoffs and, and, a, scored in the and as a goal scorer when goals dry up your confidence goes as well but you always get into good positions but you start snatching at chances don't you? Yeah, in terms of chances and stuff I was snatching at them but um, a big part of my game at Dunfermline the first time round was was a, a team player. I was I was kind of I'd do more than one job. I would, uh, a big big thing that I got for the, the fellow players was that they, they needed me each game. It was it was kind of they needed my work ethic and it spurred kind of boys on. So I, that felt good in terms of. I always felt that I was bringing something to the team, even yes. if I wasn't bringing goals. Yeah. Um, and and thankfully, I was I was setting up goals, I, I created goals mm-hmm. for for Nicky and 
and it was still working so to be honest I wasn't getting too much down about it yeah. um, I knew the goals would eventually come mm-hmm. um, and, and I managed to score in the, the playoffs um, against Dundee United at Dinecastle and then straight after it I missed a chance that probably would have killed the tie so um, and that was my last game so it's kind of unfinished business there because I feel like if we'd beat United that night I think we would have done the, the Livingston and went the whole way Yes so, of course because Livingston ended up being part of Thistle of course that season Yeah because Livingston had, hadn't beat us that season we yeah. were the only team they hadn't beat so really uh-huh. um, it was it was kind of bittersweet yeah. but So either side of your Dunfermline trips, which are back there now, of course, and, and having played previously, sandwiched in between that is uh, play at the Staggies at Ross County. I mean, what was that experience like for you? It was good. Um, it, was, it was a successful year. Um, in terms of my personal football, um, it was different because I played a lot of that year. Um, right wing um, or left wing and it was different for me it was a new experience and new position that I was I was mostly playing in so um, it was a kind of learning experience for me and in terms of obviously individual stuff when I, when I signed there I wanted to be scoring goals and um, kind of being the, the number nine but it didn't work out like that I was I started the number nine and I was doing well and, and Billy came in and Billy scored plenty of goals and so I was never I was never bitter about it because Billy was scoring week in week out in terms of that you, could, you can't complain with it yeah um, I was, I was playing, still playing a lot, um, kind of off the right wing or off the left wing. So it was, it was good to just be in a, in a, in a um, successful side, and obviously we ended up with two trophies. So it was, it was a good season all round. Yeah, and, um, and you also get an opportunity to improve your versatility as well. I mean, that Ross County season, as you mentioned, you won the, the championship, of course, and, and the Challenge Cup, and, you know, any success, like you had at Morton as well, when when the League won title, that, that must breed confidence, collectively and individually as well. Yeah, definitely. We had a, we had a very good squad, um, with a lot of experience in the team. Boys that played a lot of championship games, and had a lot of quality and we had a good mixture of that plus um, kind of young players that, that had also got the experience so um, I think early on we, we knew we were, we were going to go the whole way and, and um, win the league um, in, terms of, in terms of the Challenge Cup it was, for the most part it was 
it was kind of the squads were, were switched around and whoever never played at the weekend maybe playing Challenge Cup and, but that just shows you how, how much quality we had that we boys on the bench were more than capable as well so mm-hmm. um, but no, as you say it was, it was a really really good season and one I'll, I'll always remember for the, the two trophies I wanted to ask you a question about the, the, the Challenge Cup because in the final of course you ended up playing Conas P. Nomads who you know as a, a, a Scottish based competition but of course this was I think it's a couple of years past where they were bringing in teams from Wales from Northern Ireland and from the National League was that a very strange experience playing a non-Scottish side in the final? Um, it was, but at the same time, it was probably. I mean, Konarski have gone on to win their own league and are now playing in Europe, so, yeah. you know, that must have been a great opportunity for you yeah. guys to, to showcase what you can do as well against a, a side that have played European football. Yeah, definitely. It, was, it kind of made it a wee bit more appealing um, to us as maybe um, as, as finalists because. You, you weren't getting into the game knowing who you were playing against. Uh, you hadn't played them before, and it was a wee bit of, kind of, I don't know, it was a wee bit of surprise about it. Um, so it, it was good. Um, and to be fair, Comiskey were a good team. And yeah. I think they just, we, we knew we, were, we weren't playing good enough um, when they went 1 0 up. And, we weren't quite at their levels. Um, we knew we were capable of much more, and if we got the standards up, that we, we would win the game. But um, they made it difficult for us, and I, th- I think they actually were fitness and stuff told in the end because they were part time. And um, I think it was, but as I said, it was it was a kind of different feel to it that they were. They weren't a Scottish team and you didn't know much about them, so uh, for me it made it a wee bit better. And Josh Mullins scored twice in that final and he's gone on to have a, a, a really good career, hasn't he? He's, he's a really tidy player. Yeah, yeah, Josh, um, I, st- I started that game and yeah. I, started the, I started the right winger and, and Josh came on for me and not long after it, he managed to sneak in the, the, first, the first one and then I think not long after that as well. The, the second one, so, um, but Josh had a, a great year that year. That I mean, a lot of just I mean, a lot of experience in that Ross County team. Sorry, Dylan, a lot of experience in this team. Marcus Fraser was captain. You know, Keith Watson was playing. Um, Don Cowie, uh, who's had a really successful career. Michael Gardai, who's still playing and still looks as fresh as ever. Absolutely fantastic. And that's not even including the bench. I mean, Scott Fox on the bench. We mentioned Josh Mullen. A lot of good mix of youth and experience there. Yeah, definitely. That's we, we definitely had a, a very good squad. Um, that that's kind of shown now that for the most part, maybe not this season, but last season, that was a there was a lot of boys that were our championship team. So um, and they done well last year in the Premier League. So um, and even when I when I was playing, we went to the like, some Marlow in the cup and and beat them. Um, That's right, I remember that. I think we had a, we had a Premiership capable squad when we won the Championship. Um, but 
Uh, as I said, I think they've showed that since getting into the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to ask you about working with dual managers, because obviously Stuart Cowell and Stephen Ferguson were, were dual managers at Ross County. Was that a different experience? It was and it wasn't, but uh, it was, it was obviously different, but for me it was, it was just pretty much the same, like, both of them, the both of them kind of had the, the, the different parts that they would, they would take over, and um, they both had the, the same authority, and mm-hmm. maybe Dyson Ketz was a wee bit, just maybe a wee bit more kind of aggressive, but not, not in a bad way, but aggressive in terms of uh, Craig was a lot more. Oh, that's interesting. I, I thought it would be the other way around. That's interesting, that. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> just, I think Craig was a wee bit more calm and collected. Um, uh, I think Kate's, Kate's a passionate about football. I think mm-hmm. he really loves football. So, um, but it was. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't strange for me because yeah. I think it was more strange for the likes of Midge and stuff that had played wickets and and had Ferg before being the youth team and stuff that the two of them were involved with the youth team. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of boys that came through that and they were all known as Kets and Ferg. So yeah. once that signed and they became managers, it was it was. And does Stuart and does Stuart, and does Stuart Kettlewell look like David De Gea or not? Right, <laughs> well, he does. certainly does not picture that David De Gea. Too. I had uh, to ask because it's just such a great double <laughs> It does with the beard and the, the hair that he's got just now, I think, I think that is quite a close call. Yeah, I had um, to ask that. Sorry, Kets, if you're listening. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Declan, we're coming to the end of the podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat. Obviously, you're back at Dunfermline now. What's the aspirations for you this season and obviously the future as a whole? Because, as you say, you're you're just a, a father now. You know, you're, you're building for your own future outside of football as well. You've got a lot going for you in the right direction, it seems. Yeah, just this this season on a football level, you got to. I want to go that one more, that one better than the last time, and I think it, obviously I know the club really well now, and it's a club that is, is kind of it is a sleeping giant. I think. Um, I think if. And obviously you see that with the, the kind of big investment that's came for Germany and I think it's something that if we as players this season we, we really strive to, to get the club back to the Premier League I think this club can can grow massively and um, I think it be, it's, a, it's a great club to play for um, and the fans really, really do get behind you if you're um, if you're doing well so it's up to us to, to make that happen um, like we did the last time we managed to get in the playoffs and we were taking I think it was close to 3,000 up to Tannadice and, um, so we, you do get the backing and the fan base is there we just need to reach for 
and strive for getting the club back to the Premier League. That's the, the ultimate goal for football. Um, and I've, I've probably got the best best part of 10 years left in the, the professional game after that. So I just want to go and put everything in it and achieve as much as I possibly can. Maybe at Dunfermline or whatever whatever level I, I, I managed to get to. Yeah. Um, I just want to, the next 10 years that there'll be no excuses at the end of it. Um, and outside the football, I'm going to work on things that I'll be able to walk, walk into after football if I don't. Because you're, cause you're, cause you're, you're involved with Herbalife, aren't you, at the, at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I've done that for years and uh, I just I enjoy the products more, more than anything. Yeah, because um, I've, I've, I've spoken with Lee Mayer and Gregory Taddy on this and, and those guys are very enthusiastic about building for life after football and I think that's very important and what I get from you is that you really want to grab everything you've got with both hands and you know the fact that you mentioned that you're now a dad the fact that you feel that you have unfinished business at Dunfermline I get that real sense of you really looking forward to the new season and giving it absolutely everything yeah definitely um, definitely just what it, just in terms of my, my football all in all just the next 10 years I just want to get everything I possibly can when I'm at at training or when I'm at games whatever it is for the next 10 years I want to just make sure that I've no regrets yeah. um, and that I can look back on it in 10 years time if, if I never make it I don't know if, it, if Championship Scotland's the highest level I play it till then mm-hmm. Then I've no regrets that I look back and go, I should have done more that I could have, I could have went higher or I could have went and earned more money or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to have regrets for that. But in terms of the hair boy stuff and, and, and all, obviously I, I'm quite close with Mezzo and, and Tad's and that, and they're, they're in and really, really good money, probably more than a lot footballers are yeah. so but Mezzo's really worked worked hard at that and mm-hmm. so is so is Tad's um, um, but they're they're now in a position where they're, they're at home they're working from home they're just helping people and they're earning a lot of money that they maybe for large parts of their career never even made um, so it is a huge opportunity and I'm just looking to build it alongside my football and by the time that I'm done football hopefully I can I can have that um, to work on uh, and whatever else if there is anything else by that point that I'm, I'm doing as well Yeah absolutely, well I, I really wish you well uh, both professionally and personally uh, well for the future, good luck for the season yeah. for Dunfermline and, and thanks for coming on my podcast Campbell's Fools, I really enjoyed our chat Declan no problem. Thank you very much. Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91, or Instagram. 
or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's Footballs. What a dangerous night!